Welcome to the Cut Flower Farming Growth and Profit in Your Business podcast. I'm your host, Ros Chandler, a flower farmer for over 10 years and 30 years as a business owner and marketing director. This podcast is for you if you're an ambitious flower farmer and looking for hints and tips to grow your business. We'll be covering strategy, marketing tactics, pricing, social media, and upscaling your flower farm. So much more. I'm so excited to introduce you to some amazing guest speakers along the way. All of you will be at different points in your business. Our podcasts will take this into account. We look forward to joining you on your journey. We're going to talk about pricing. I love this topic more than any other because this is what leads to profitability in a business and I'll explain more in a moment. So it's always the main question from flower farmers and florists is pricing. And traditionally, florists have priced per stem. And when purchasing the product, you know, it can be multiplied by three. So you buy a Astrantia from a wholesaler for one pound, well, yeah, one pound net of that, let's say. And then you need to multiply it by three and sell it for three pound. And that's the way that traditionally florists would work out the costs. Also, another method is a third, a third, a third. So a third is, this is kind of like the industry norm. So a third is the cost of something. A third is the overhead to produce it. And a third is the profit. However, all these models are really difficult for a flower farmer. So if you think how you work out what your cost base is, you know, you've got a pack of larkspur seeds of two and a half thousand seeds and only half of them germinate. And then how do you work out the cost of that larkspur stem? Is it the compost, the seed, the amount of water you gave it, the amount of time you spent on it? It is so difficult that it would probably drive you around in circles. So it's all about added value and what the customer is prepared to pay. So, of course, you don't want to sell something for £10 when it took you £11 to grow it. So I would suggest you keep really detailed um, records of all your costs. So you have a lovely Excel spreadsheet and you put everything in there, every sundry, every plug plant, every seed, everything. You start to monitor your water. We've got a tap monitor so we know how much water we're using if it comes out the tap. Um, it's really important you take all of those costs into consideration because otherwise you're fooling yourself in terms of profitability. But the most expensive part is time, and that's predominantly you in the early days. And then obviously if you take on staff, you take on freelancers, it becomes bigger. So I would suggest an app that you use um, on your phone and you monitor all your time and you attribute it to different jobs. So if we're doing a wedding for Julie Smith, we would attribute our time to Julie Smith. And obviously, then there's an overall overhead for the year, which you attribute across the jobs that we do. So how do you cost it? Honestly, it's about what someone's prepared to pay. And then have you got the ideal customer? And then um, is your messaging right to attract that ideal customer? So I um, have spent some time with Peter Hill. And Peter Hill has written a, a fabulous book on pricing for profit. And it's called How to Develop a Powerful Pricing Matrix or System for Your Business, a Pricing Strategy for Your Business. And I really recommend you take a look at it because it's not what you expect it to be. Most pricing books are full of numbers and charts and honestly, you need a degree in mathematics to work it out. So think about 
um, Peter talks in his book about a case study, I think it was a greengrocer, um, and he wanted to use a really simple pricing plan. So he took the net of VAT price, the buying in price, he multiplied it by two to become the gross of VAT selling price. Fairly easy. His gross margin was therefore 40%. However, he did really well. He negotiated a lower buying price and therefore he offered a lower selling price and he made less money. So the value of the item does not change in the eyes of the customer just because your costs go up and down. Just bear that in mind. They're not interested. They're interested in the value it gives them. So just think for a minute what factors might affect pricing. So let's think of an egg. Let's think of a the price of an egg, the price for a litre of petrol, the price for watch, any watch, just the watch you're wearing now, the price of an average bouquet. So let's think about what factors might affect these price issues. It's insignificance, it's very small value issue to the customer. Convenience, the fuel is usually bought where needed or on a weekly shop. Brand or status, the range of watch prices are huge, but they all do the same job. Seasonality or availability, prices jump up and down depending on the time of year. Price presentation, this is a nice one. Eggs not sold, are never sold singly, you know, sold in sixes or twelves. And therefore, do we sit there at the, at the, do we stand there in the aisle of the supermarket and work out the price of an egg and what is the best deal? And those are larger and those are smaller. No, we don't. And also, I wonder if anybody really knows the price of an egg. Perception. You may have assumed the watch, for instance, that I'm wearing today, which you can't see, but the watch I'm wearing today is very expensive. Actually, it's not at all. So it's about perception. Who's paying? You know, if I'm going on a business trip and I use my company business card, that's very different to when I'm actually buying it myself. And the type of spend. So we know that food and fuel are commodities and a watch and a bouquet are discretionary. There are lots of elements that affect the price point of every product and every service that we buy. And it's unique to the customer. It's unique to what's important to them. So think about yourself. How do you make buying decisions? Most customers make a series of judgments when they buy anything. Most of them are unconscious and some of them are conscious. Depending on the spending being done, as many as 20 different elements come to play when we're making a choice. As consumers, we understand we may make different judgments to others and that even our own judgment can depend, can change depending on the circumstances. How much do we need it? How much do we want it? Why is it then that when we turn ourselves into suppliers of supplying British cup flowers, we assume that everybody makes their decision based on price? which, of course, they don't make their decision based on price. They make it based, as I said, on 20-odd different variants. So please put yourself in the minds of the consumer, not in the minds of the seller, and get confidence around the fact that people make buying decisions on very different reasons to what that you think they do. So in Peter's book, he talks about, um, and he, he talks all over the country, and he talks about two different groups of people. And he says, OK, if we split this room in half and we had group A and then we'd have group B. And so group A, we would ask them what the cost of steak and chips is. And in group B, 
we would ask them what the price of locally sourced steak cooked to order with triple cooked skin on fries and a fresh local salad garnish. And they would cost that. Then group A, we'd ask them to cost a car valet. And group B, we would say a premium car valet service using the best quality cleaning materials to bring your car back to showroom condition. You'll be able to see your face in it. And then group A, we asked about tax return completion. What would they pay for tax return completion? And group B, we would say your tax return is completed and submitted to HMRC within all the deadlines and ensuring all the information is correct to reduce your risks of an HMRC inquiry, and that would be a headache, and with all the tax allowances claimed. Oh, so what do you think the differences are between those two? So we're talking about the presentation of a price here, the messaging of a price. The average prices assessed by both groups, according to Peter, were compared. By simply explaining or selling the options more positively and more descriptively, in the messaging, the perception of value changed in the eyes of the customer. Group B's price points, so those with all the descriptive text, were roughly double those of Group A. Double, just by using different language. Same product. The explanation was that colourful language started the buying process there and then. They became hungrier. They imagined their shinier cars and they felt the relief of knowing they were safe from HMRC. So remember this. I have done a podcast on messaging and you really, really, really need to get your messaging right. So why are we so bad at it? Do we feel, do we not have the confidence to sell something? Do we think it's not worth it? Do we think we're not worthy? And You know, how do you get good at pricing? Personally, you should read a lot about it. You should read some pricing books. And like I say, I do recommend Peter's book. And pricing is a business skill like any other. It's not something you just know. It's a skill. And in, in addition, pricing is an emotive issue. We are all predisposed to avoid pain. And the best way is to set low prices so nobody ever questions them. But behaviours we fear are not real. They're just in our heads. So pricing is really a mindset issue. And I would say that's a lot of what we do in business is a mindset issue. The overall message I want to convey, convey is that you want to make more money than getting pricing is the right is the quickest and easiest way to do it. How do you get your prices right? You read books, you do research, you test them out on customers, you have some focus groups, you definitely work out the numbers. If I charge 20% more, how many customers can I afford to lose to still make the same amount of money? You'd be shocked at that. Play around. Add 10% to your, uh, your prices. See what happens to that. In flower farming, you have a lot of fixed costs. So by then, just increasing your pricing by a little bit will make so much more money. I came across today, and actually, that's why I decided to talk about um, pricing today. I went to the wholesalers, and um, I want to get some sundries that we need for next week. And I certainly found the price of flowers rapidly going up. But the most interesting thing is, and, and also that's going to affect us, and if the pricing is going up of wholesale flowers coming into the UK, then our beautiful, natural British flowers are worth so much more. So you need to keep an eye on that. That's really important. The second thing is that I met a really experienced peony grower this week, and he sells his peonies for £1 a stem. I then got an email into my inbox from a British wholesaler, 
and they're selling peonies at £2.50 a stem. That's a lot of difference, and they are the same quality. So if the person selling the peony at £1 increased it just to £1.50 with the amount that he's selling, imagine what that could do to his bottom line. So, you know, Peter talks again in his book about so many case studies that increasing the price by 10 or 20% had no negative reaction at all with a doubling or tripling of the bottom line efforts, bottom line profits. It's a lot easier than growing two or three times more product is by increasing your prices. So I hope that's helped a little. And going back again, Peter's book is called Pricing for Profit, How to Develop a Powerful Pricing Strategy for Your Business. It's across all businesses, but it's really, really relevant to flower growers. So I hope that's helped. Many thanks. This has been your host, Ros Chandler. If you'd like to know more about growing your cut flower farm, do join our Facebook group. It's called Cut Flower Farming, Growth and Profit in Your Business. Many thanks.